Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. of the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good buddy, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I, I was in shape for this week one. Like that, like oh, mentally... I was. I I had my situ- I was pretty proud of myself compared to like when we oh. first did the show two years ago. And I remember just I, I was so frazzled. Like I, I couldn't even get the TVs right. Now I got my setup, my domain, even though it's a mess in here. You guys can't see it, but it's yes. I was ready for this week, and so I'm excited to talk about it because I actually have energy and I'm a, I'm focused. We're good. <laughs> I had multiple problems this week. My Sunday ticket did not work. For whatever reason, the streaming See, version of Sunday issue. Ticket did not work. I had to VPN into European Game Pass to watch two games on two laptops plus the three TVs that I have. So I spent most of the first half doing that. Listen, it's week one for everybody. I'm going to yeah. give DirecTV a pass here, even though they probably don't deserve one. But even after that got situated, the wall of stimuli coming at me in week one, I'm never ready for it. I'm always out of game-watching shape. There's nothing that can prepare me from all of the moving parts that you have to sort through when week one kicks off. We're going to start digging into the craziness of week one here in a moment. Before we do that, though, we have to start with the Dak Prescott injury news. Jerry Jones, after the Cowboys lost, just said that Dak is going to be out several weeks because he needs thir- surgery on his broken hand, thumb, whatever is wrong with him. He hit it on a helmet yeah. or he was hit while he was throwing. This is going to be probably at least a month that Dak Prescott is out. The Cowboys looked like garbage while Dak Prescott was their yeah. quarterback last night. Can't imagine it's going to get much better with Cooper Rush over the next four games right. or so here. The Eagles seem to be like a pretty good football team. This is devastating news for a Cowboys team and a Mike McCarthy-led team that was looking at a pretty important season. Yeah, this was a team that we were already starting to feel more and more pessimistic about so much that you were saying, oh, one of my favorite bets is that the Cowboys don't make the playoffs. That was with Dak Healthy. That was yes. with, uh, you know, that Tyler Smith actually looked okay at left tackle. But as soon as they had the left guard go down, it, it was for the high ankle sprain. It's, yeah. It, and the receiver it, it situation was oh, horrendous no, tonight. Horrendous. Everything felt like uh, can, everything was contested. Even yes. to CD. Everything to CD was contested. You know, he's going to work from the slot. Bucks have good coaches. Todd Bowles is a good coach. They have good players. They were very aware of it. Every time I felt like CD was getting a ball over the middle, there was a linebacker, a safety driving on it, and then the corner trailing them. It's like, oof, this is this is all you got. <laughs> Dalton Schultz, how many uh, how many seventy yard sit routes can uh, can we hit the Dalton Schultz? And that's about all you had from the Cowboys passing game. So that was with Dak. So I, I hope he gets healthy. I know everyone that listens to the show knows how much I like Dak, but it, it's not. It's looking grim in in Dallas. I mean, you listen for a month, your season could be over. They're sitting there at maybe one and four by the time that whole thing is over. The Eagles get out to a hot start, unless another couple teams in the NFC really struggle in the wild card picture. I mean, this could be a season altering injury and probably will be for Dallas. It's huge, which I'm sure we'll get into a ton as the week goes on. Also, Donovan Smith hurt his elbow in this game. It looks like he's going to miss an extended amount of time. When we were talking about 
the Bucks offensive line coming into this season. Already concerns about what was happening on the interior, but part of why I wasn't freaking out, it's like, well, the tackles are still healthy and the tackles right. are pretty good. You lose your starting left tackle halfway into your first game, the picture changes a little bit. Yeah. It was really funny hearing Tom Brady today because he has a new center and how much he was over communicating. He was like, you could just hear him on, on the, the field mics just going like, like screaming it because he's just making sure we're all on the same page. Right, guys? Like uh, he was not. He's trying they to take had it all an in the extended stands, conversation but. after the sack where Donovan Smith got hurt. An extended yeah. conversation on the way to the sideline. So I'm sure there was a lot of back and forth today. And there'll be a I lot of back and forth here over the next week. I'm going to guess Tom Brady knew what he was talking about there over Hainsley. So, yeah, that it's that's a little interesting to keep an eye on with the Bucks. It, it They seem to have a pretty good game overall on that offense. I mean, they were run the ball at will it seemed like they were really catching the cowboys a lot and then that's on top of just all the stuff to mike evans godwin looked good he got banged up as well but it's the bucks the books looked like the bucks even if it was a kind of an ugliest game we'll talk about that game and again the cowboys a little bit later on i want to talk about the early slate and the yeah. end of the early slate particularly i tweeted this in the moment but every year when we get to week one, along with just being completely unprepared to deal with all of the stuff coming at me, the other thing I'm completely unprepared for is how wild it feels when we have a ton of close finishes in that week one window, that early first game window. Here's what was happening pretty much at the same time today over the course of about a half hour, 45 minute stretch. The Saints rallied from a 16-point fourth quarter deficit to beat the Falcons on a last minute field goal that was missed. The Panthers rallied from a 14-point Fourth quarter deficit, take a lead over the Browns with a minute left. Then Cade York made a 58-yard field goal that probably could Boomed have been good it. for 68 yards. That Boomed thing it. had pace as it hit yes. the middle of the net. The Panthers thought it was wide. And he curled yep. it back in. But it's not just that he curled it back in. He curled it back in and hit it halfway up the net. And that net moved when he hit it. it they talked about <laughs> that freaking fun. kicker so much during training camp. All they wanted to do was have some little moment or like piece of brightness at yeah. Brown's training camp. And Cade York was everything. Justified. That was he an incredible kick round. Fourth round pick for a reason. Oh, that thing was a oh my god! That I, it had the nice little draw on it. Oh. it. It was so it was so pretty. I know it was like a stinging two iron. Like, I he just, very he just rarely am not going to spend much time talking about kickers on this show, but he warrants that sort of attention after that just happened. The Bengals scored a touchdown. Down six with four seconds left. Then the Steelers blocked the extra point and won in overtime. Washington had a game-winning touchdown with 152 left to beat the Jags. And that doesn't even include like five other things that were yeah. going on during that time. It, it just is such a reminder the of why the NFL is such a compelling television product in that moment. And you're sitting there watching it. You're like There is nothing else like this. I cannot believe this is happening in week one where every single one of these games is a two-point game, a three-point game. By that point, the Dolphins game and the Niners-Bears game had ended. Those are the only two games that hadn't been close. Even the Eagles-Lions game got down to a field goal in the final few minutes. And it's yeah. just impossible to process all of that in real time. It was the witchiest of witching hours. It really it, was. It was. It was very wicked. When none of us were it, ready for it. When none of us no. were in game shape. I, I, my Xbox was good. My Xbox had the game pass ready, but Red Zone Channel was nuts. It, it felt like March Madness opening weekend 
you know, when yes. the, those first games are played. That's what it felt like. But it's the NFL week one. We get to do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. It's not just one weekend that we're skipping work on. You know, that that this is actually on a Sunday. Just start. This is starting us off. This is week one. But that's that's exactly right. I, I love the point you made. That's there's nothing else like this. There's so many one score games. And not only that, it's back and forth. It's big plays. It's exciting. We're talking about a kicker. And that I mean, we're, everything. There's every type of play that happens. So it, it was just an awesome way to start the season. I wanted to dig into two of those final results a little bit deeper because I thought they were comp- particularly compelling and particularly eye-opening. The Steelers-Bengals game, the Bengals had made so many mistakes in that game and still almost won because the Steelers yeah. did not have a functional offense. What was your biggest takeaway from watching that game today and just kind of the weird way that it ended? Two things is the Bengals ran 94 plays today, which is the <laughs> highest one-game total since 2002. That which is uh, just absurd. That uh, I couldn't believe that, and they only scored twenty points off that. So I wonder what that ratio is. Uh, but also, it was it was ugly. Uh, I, I agree with you with the Steelers stuff. The offense is, and this is what Matt Canada's kind of drawback has always been with his offense. His dropback game sucks. It, it's it's really it's high schoolish. And uh, but all the other stuff, he, it's all smoke and mirrors as far yes. as everything else. And they can't uh, but, run the ball either. Najee averaged like 2.3 yards per carry. It's just an yeah. absolute slog whenever they try to do anything on the ground, combined with the fact that they can't drop back. When you can't run and you can't drop back, I think it's going to be a little hard to move the ball in the NFL. <laughs> you think? Yeah. And especially and you, you could see in the second half when they had to drop back. And it was ooh, it was scary. And then that four-minute drill where they're trying to burn the clock. Najee gets hurt. So if they burn a timeout, injury timeout, then they throw the ball incomplete. They only burned 18 at, at 17 or 18 seconds in their four-minute drill. Did you like drill. that on second and 12 to throw the ball? I was thinking about it in the moment. I, it's like, we always get on coaches for being too conservative yeah. in that moment, but it's also it's second and twelve, and Mitchell Trubisky is your quarterback. Maybe you yeah. just sit on it. I was back and forth. I was debating with myself as that was happening. You're coming out of a timeout too. That that's a little kind of like as a, def- a defensive coach is probably alarm bells are going off a little bit. I used to always love like McVeigh when he first got with the Rams. They would do it a bunch in those four minute drills. They run a bootleg, like and bootlegs are good because you know you get the guy in the move and you, it's kind of a safer throw. Yeah. Guy can eat the sack, yada yada. Keep the clock going, but that's that's usually the only passing play I like. Even like RPOs and quick game, I get a little dicey on because defenders are tight. You know, usually you're facing kind of a version of cover zero, um, even if it's goal line or something. If you're going heavy personnel, so I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, maybe just not the Steelers offense with Mitch Trubisky and <laughs> all the weapons that they have. The Bengals offense ran into plenty of issues. I think a lot of the concerns that we had about the Bengals offense toward the end of last season were the same concerns that we saw on Sunday. They had real trouble protecting Joe Burrow, and it wasn't just the new guys. Jonah Highsmith had some issues, or excuse me, Jonah Williams had some issues with Alex Highsmith yeah. multiple times in this game. You know, TJ Watt had a couple big plays against Lyle Collins. Cam Hayward had a, just a disgusting bull rush against the rookie left guard. So welcome to the game. league, my friend. And yeah. that happened pretty often. I think he got sacked seven times in this game. And some of the siloing issues that we had talked about near yes. the end of last season, two under center play action passes from the Bengals today. They had 16 under center runs. So on 18 that, under center plays in this game, they ran the ball 16 times. It was as soon as like the first or second drive, it was like a second and five. And they actually had a decent run play, but they went straight up under center, hip formation, run the ball, run a zone play. And I was, I was like, again, guys, you guys are going to do this again. Like you say, it's a siloed offense. And it was kind of crazy. It was a lot of those pressures on Burrow. It, it was the, like the sack conversion was pretty crazy. He was really big game hunting. In a yeah. game that I don't think he should have been. 
It, it was more of like, hey, this is an ugly game. This is kind of not going away. Hey, let's just let's just dig and dunk our way down the field. And I think, of course, they were trying to, but he got pressure only a quarter of his dropbacks, which was the sixth fewest amount uh, through Sunday Night Football. I, I of course don't have the stats yet, but his sack rate was eleven percent. So it, it it was not only that they when they got home, it was they got home because he was really trying to extend plays. I felt like he was double clutching a lot, even the first interception to Minka. Uh, make a red at the whole way, but it was yeah, classic. I, what do you think he saw there? Uh, so when he threw that. I was like, I'm not sure what he was looking at that he was willing to throw that ball. It was a smash concept, and smash is an under route, which you know five yards and in, mm-hmm. and then a corner route from the slot, you know, or a flattened corner deep out. And that's a class, and it was against cover two. That is as classic as football gets: a high low versus cover two corner. And he kind of, I think he saw the corner sinking. So he was trying to body the throw a little bit. And, and Burrow has a lot. He's a very accurate quarterback, but he doesn't have that kind of juice on his arm to really pin it on guys. So I think that's what happened. He tried to kind of body the throw and then make it just was like, okay, make it right at the whole way. <laughs> yeah, he was make right it was there. Not, but he was right there. He was, he, it's really cool watching, watching the end zone view of it that they showed. And you can see make it go, Oh, I know what you're doing. And he starts kind of creeping down <laughs> and like just makes a great play on the ball. So I think, I think that's what it was. He got spooked a little bit by the corner kind of sinking and he just, you know, yeah, that little half second. That's a lot. The sec, or he had another interception on a seam ball. He hitched one too many times. And this is why timing matters so much as a quarterback. He hitched one too many times and then the corner was able to undercut it on the seam ball. Yo, so it was a nice play. Really nice play. And, but that's the thing. That's why timing, especially when you don't have that juice in your arm, those, you know, like the rare arms that some of these guys have less room for error for Burrow. And that's, that's just the type of game it was. It was just always kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Worth mentioning that their long snapper got hurt in this game, screwed up yes. the, the process on one of those field goals, got blocked. One of the reasons that they didn't, I mean, the extra mm-hmm. point, but they shouldn't even have been in that situation. I mean, the fact that you're playing against an offense that can't move the ball and you've turned the ball over, I think, four times, five times in this game, and that's what's happening. I mean, it's the long snapper getting hurt sucks, but they also played pretty poorly in pretty much every other facet. Jamar Chase had an incredible <laughs> couple plays in this game, though. It is absolutely wild. What he does near the pylon in some of those condensed areas of the field, the ball control, like the body control stuff is absolutely insane. And then the catch that Deontay Johnson had on the left sideline is going to be one of the catches of the year. And it came in an incredibly big moment. I mean, when he made that play, I was like, I cannot believe he just caught that ball. And it was on the biggest drive of the game. Yeah. Oh my God. Chase tried to make though the catch of the freaking lifetime with that one hander. And he almost got his feet in. That was jeez. He's incredible. I don't. I swear. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start counting it. Is like his percentage of how many catches he gets and whether the first defender tackles him because they never do. <laughs> I'm always like, oh well, that's a catch and tackle for four yards, and all of a sudden he spins out of it and he keeps his feet, and the another defender bounces off of his legs. He's got to be the one of the strongest pound for pound guys in the league at any position because these DBs just bounce off of him. Steelers are a physical team, and they're just bouncing off of him. It's it's insane what this guy's doing. The one, two, one on those two play action passes. One of them was like a twenty-five yard chunk gain because they got him the ball in space over the middle of the field to let him go to work. They should do that more. I truly yeah. believe that they should try to do that more. Do you feel any differently about the Steelers' defense today than you right now than you felt this morning? No, I, I was pretty high on their defense, but you know, TJ Watt being out kind of. So that's the lot. big thing is that now yeah. that he's pretty much out for the season. That's a huge blow because watching them today, I had some questions about some of the secondary pieces. Now, not guys yep. in the secondary, but some of the background players on the defense. Yes, 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 yes. I was very <laughs> excited about the stars. The stars played like it today. Yep. But as a unit, I thought they played extremely well. Losing Watt is a massive deal. So yeah, we'll see huge. what 
sort of impact that has over the course of the season. But I mean, he is such a game changing type force, and he was again today. Oh, I All was right. ready to talk about the defensive player to your race. Him, Miles Garrett got off. He had like Miles Garrett, I think, had four Parsons TFLs had two, and two sacks. sacks. Today. Parsons had two sacks. I was like, oh man, defensive player of the year. Let's go, baby. But yeah, I, I hope TJ Watt. Yeah, it looks it looks bad. So I'm hoping you know, kind of stinks. Let's talk about Falcons Saints for a little bit here. The Saints have a ridiculous comeback win. Falcons with kind of a questionable decision to punt the ball away, I think, on that fourth yeah. down when they could have put it away. I understand the thinking there. It's like if we don't get this, then they're going to be able to kick a field goal and win the game. But also, if you get that, it's a yard and a half, too. That was a long one yard, almost close to two yards. So I understand why they might have made that decision, but I think you absolutely can debate it. My, the biggest thing that jumped out for me in this game is what a difference having the pass catchers made. Jameis Winston had 24 (laughs) passing yards in the first half, by the way. He had 24 in the first half. But in the second half, that means he finished with 269. So you could do the math there. The plays that those guys made, it just was clear as day how big of a difference it makes to have actual NFL receivers. And when they could actually make some contested catches in big moments, how much of a difference that actually makes. Oh my God, Michael Thomas put the put the mandible claw on AJ Terrell in the yes, red zone. And it was not like he was a bad it was against a bad corner. It was against no, one of the corners it, we think is top tier, one of the best in the league. Terrell had great coverage. I, yes. I mean it was it, it was perfect ball placement, a great catch. Like and also they have Chris Olave running the stool routes, which is like the fake fade. I, I you knew s- you were gonna talk about that. I knew you were gonna love it. As soon as that two point conversion happened, the first thing I thought <laughs> is Nate is going to mention this because of how refined Chris Olave is in the red zone. <laughs> oh, he did it in college. I've never seen a lot of college guys do it. So, of course, he was able to do it in the NFL. Oh, it looks, oh, he had a comeback route that was so pretty, too. And this is Jarvis Landry led them in yards. Yeah. Like, it was, that was the third one. Uh, I mean, they, their passing tech's really fun. The O line at first was getting exposed a little bit. Uh, as far as not Brady so much Jarrett as got getting, both guards at one point. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he, he got each of them at a single point in this game. And they were really getting them with the, the it's Dean Peace defense. So there's blitzing and then simulated. They blitzed about the same right uh, throughout the entire game. He was, Jameis was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks in the first half. And in the second half, only 18%, even though That's the Falcons blitzed at the same percentage. Yeah. So they, their pass protection got so much better as far as like how they're passing it off. Kamara had, it was really, it's really cool, especially in the second half of their pass protection in, in like in action. Kamara had a great pickup on one of them coming from the slot. So I think that's what it was. They really went to the cards or the the Microsoft Surface tablet sponsored. Uh, but <laughs> they went to that. And I think they really honed in on what, what Peace was bringing. And they kind of had some good rules in the second half. So I think that really helped them, of, of course. I think the Saints are going to be a pretty good team. One of my other takeaways, even though they lost this game, they lost it in pretty horrifying fashion. The Falcons offense is going to be weird and fun to watch. I love Marcus it. Mariota used play action on 18 of his 37 dropbacks in this game. 50%. And I think that's not going to go down as the nope. season goes along. They had a couple plays where they're running high lows, like similar kind of stuff that we see from the Rams and just a ton of offenses yeah. around the league now where you're pinning somebody down and then you have the guy coming behind it on that little yep. inbreaker and it's Pitts and Drake London running it from the Dude. same side. They're going to be able to do so much cool shit with those guys. I, I want to find the clip for on all twenty two. It was it was on London's first catch, and they run like a dagger, which is a seam, and then a dig behind it. And Pitts running that seam was so freaking fast; he was eating <laughs> up like five yards of stride. And I, I want to watch it like uh, again. But they all the play action combinations they have are so much fun. They had one where 
Um, I want to say it might have been another London catch, but it, it, they had like a curl, like you were saying. But then they had the corner coming from the same side, as opposed to kind of going. Yeah, on it was London. Sides. It was it was London. It was you London. Faked okay. the over route and then came back. It was that classic yeah, kind of changeup that we like to talk about. It was where you awesome. think he's going to run that big crossing route all the way across the field, yep. and he bent it back toward the corner. I know exactly the play that you're talking and, about. And the, and the, we I joked about him last year being the island of misfit toys, and the toys are a little prettier this year, a little 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 cleaner, a little more you know. <laughs> do hickeys to them, but they like, they were doing some cool stuff with pits in the sense that they would go 12 personnel, you know, two tight ends pits is more or less. He can do both. He's, he's incredible. He's basically the best X receiver or about to be in the NFL, but they had him as the wide tight end, like in line. And what they were doing was they're dictating the personnel. They're holding the pen last, as you like to say. And so they would go, okay, we're 12 personnel and you're matching us with nickel. Okay. Here's a run play. And so that's why the run game was so juicy. It was just they mix up their personnels. They're having different tight ends, a fullback in there, different types of receivers. They it was it was really cool. Like Arthur Smith really gets the max out of his guys and puts them in good spots. So it's a real every week I, I tweeted it. They're gonna be a game pass team for me. Just every every week I'm just gonna be checking out what they're doing because it's very creative. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, yeah. now that we've sorted out through all of that madness, let's get to you have my attention, gentlemen. You have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. We did this all last season. When you're watching NFL Sundays, the amount of crap that is happening in front of you, <laughs> especially in week one, sometimes can feel like it's hard to dig through. It's hard to pick out exactly what you want to chat about. We're going to pick two, three things every single week that really grabbed us from everything, the wall of stuff coming at you that happens out on an NFL Sunday. We're going to start with the Chiefs offense. So many questions about what the Chiefs would look like without Tyreek Hill. The answer is pretty good. Yeah, not bad. 33 first downs, so, uh, 66 plays. So just, you know, first down every other play. That's fun. Yeah, uh, they it, they were monsters. They ran everything. They ran everything under the sun. It, and it was so cool. Under center run game, play action, RPOs, just straight drop back. It, it was the, the third highest. Okay, so I like to look at first downs per attempt. Just like I look, you know, just kind of like you see how if they're getting real yards. And this was the third highest of Mahomes' entire career, which is just ridiculous. Also related was this was the highest percentage that he's ever been blitzed <laughs> in a game, according to Next Gen Stats. It was insane. And looking at watching the game and then looking at the numbers, forty-five percent of his dropbacks he was blitzed in this game. If you look at the rates over all of last season, I think it was. 15, 16%. He was the least blitz yep. quarterback in the NFL. He's been the least blitz quarterback in the NFL over the last couple of years. I'm wondering if the Cardinals were like, there's no way they expect this. There's no way they think this is coming. So they just brought heat the entire game. It's not as if they were worse against the blitz, though. He had the, almost the exact same EPA per dropback against four pass rushers as he did against five or more. So it didn't really matter what they were doing to him in this game. No. No, and I mean this is where the offensive line, offensive line was just getting everything. And even there would be times where they're blitzing somebody, and Mahomes would get the ball out before they could, you know, before the blitzer could get home. So the times they did have a free runner, it was like, okay, Mahomes is Mahomes, have fun with that. He had he, ten different players got targeted today, twelve straight completions at one point, which was a personal record for him. Their longest pass play though was thirty-five yards. He only had three passes that traveled more than twenty air yards. They're just. Uh, we were talking on the pre-show. He just kept hitting doubles on them. It was just double yeah. off the wall, double off the wall, double off the wall. That's They just chunk, 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 chunk. What was really cool, too, and why I was saying they kind of ran everything under the sun, was they're only 11 personnel, about half their snaps. This is one-game sample size. I know that. I had the, those exact same year. numbers. Yep, it was two-thirds last year. It was about 55% this year. Do you see the heavy personnel, though? So they had two 13 tight ends and, on the field for 40% of their snaps. Thir 13 or 22 
Yeah. yeah. Like it's double what they were last year. It's so they, yeah, they, they're starting to like, it's just a little bit of, a little bit of everything. And they were getting creative with it. They were three tight ends, one look, Kelsey's the receiver, but then they had him kind of, they had him blocking a pass protection with Noah Gray running around. Like they kind of did a little bit of everything. It was cool. It, it was, it's all stuff we've seen with Andy Reid's offenses, especially with Mahomes, but they have, I think they are finding this formula. And so far the formula looks, seems to be working out. It was awesome to see them run. Like you said, everything. Because they had those couple big chunk plays. I think their biggest play of the day was out of 13 personnel. To that one to Kelsey on the big crossing route was out of super heavy personnel. But then they did a ton of damage breaking it out and going empty in this game. Mahomes in this game. 7 of 9 for 117 yards when the Chiefs were in empty. For those of you who could do some math at home, that's 13 yards per attempt. The crazier stat though, he averaged 13.2 air yards per attempt out of empty. I think the league leader last year was around nine. And when I was looking at those numbers, I was like, oh, that I wonder if there's one throw in there that juices that average. There is that 134 yard pass. But other than that, it's like 15 yards, 13 yards, 12 yards, 10 yards, six yards, 15 yards. They were launching the ball over the middle of the field out of those empty formations. Just tons of crossing concepts, just attacking the middle of the field. The fact that they were so incredibly dialed in with such a varied game plan that was hitting in all of these different ways, it just tells you so much about what this pairing of the coach and the play caller actually looks like, almost independent of the players around them. Travis Kelsey is so, so good. But these two, they're like muses for each other. Like the way that they kind of push each other forward is absolutely insane. And I think you were very, very enthusiastic about what Chiefs 2.0 would look like with Hill gone. I don't even think I could have expected they would look this good this early. That first drive, uh, I, I kind of was going, oh, baby, this is this is fun. <laughs> I mean, just the, even the run attack was so like they're, they're actually feeding CEH. They're letting them get downhill. They, and they, yes, they, they're going to still run RPOs. But it was cool they would just run straight quick game, not an RPL, just actual quick game. And then they would do actual run plays. So, again, they would do the RPOs where they mix them up, but then they are also running the true stuff. And this is what I kind of thought they were going to lean into, and they did. And even the RPOs they did run, it was different versions now. So, like, they had a stretch play. You know, it's a CEH, but then they ran slant flats on the outside, and it, it was a first down to Juju. And usually they just run stick. Stick is the double outs on either side. They did that, of course, but then okay, now they're just sprinkling a little bit, just a little bit, you know, a little bit of pepper with their and salt. The mindset usually. felt different, right? Like when you run yeah. stick, it's just like it's ball control offense. But if you're starting ball to control. run in breaking stuff, where you're getting the ball to guys on the move, it's just yep. you're playing a different sort of game in terms of aggressiveness yep. and what you're trying to accomplish. And that's what it felt like today, especially the empty stuff. It's you know we talk about the Rams and them being able to tack down the field out of those looks last year and how impressive that is and what it can do to teams because it often simplifies the defenses you can go against. The Rams. Are doing chip help stuff though, and running out of tempo, so you have to keep the same yeah. formations on the field. The Chiefs are just like, "Fuck it, we're just going to yeah. do stuff that that we should not be able to do because our quarterback it's, is sent from outer space." And we're having our tight end act like a receiver, and Juju Smith, like the Juju Smith signing, Smith Schuster signing. Now it's like makes even more sense when you see how much they're attacking over the middle. Just yeah. it's a discussion we have with the Chargers about big bodies in these zone coverages. All right, well if you're bringing pressure as well. It's a lot easier to trust a big body against pressure because you're like, okay, I'm just going to pin it right on them. And it just happened over and over and over. And then all of a sudden you saw Sky Moore getting some yak stuff. McCole Hardman well, that, had a couple days. 
They threw a couple the deep Sky Moore completion. The, I liked how they were using McCole Hardman as that move guy. Like a yep. lot of yo-yo motion and kind of yep. keeping th- defenses off balance, especially down near the red zone when you're trying to make, all right, we're going to get man coverage. We're going to drop some designer stuff for him. I love that. The Sky yep. Moore play. Mahomes is so good within the structure of the offense and just playing quarterback, but that's just yep. the play where he it's a second reaction throw. Sky Moore is coming from right to left across the field. When you do that to a defensive coordinator, his brain just breaks. It's like that, that I cannot imagine how difficult and frustrating it is to play against those sorts of moments, which we'll talk about a little bit later as they relate to some other quarterbacks from this weekend yeah. as well. And the then, on top, well, that, then on top of it is like they, then they get in the red zone. There's Andy Reid dialing up a shovel play where CEH is the fullback. Like it's yeah. and then you get that you get the creativity when it comes into these big game, like big moments. And it's, it's it's unfair. It really is. It must be so frustrating. The one nugget, like the one little observation I, I loved on the Kelsey touchdown down in the red zone, they lined up in that formation where it's three by one. He's tight to the formation. So he's the single receiver on the left side, but he's just flexed off the formation. So he's almost like an inline tight end. And they did it, I think, on second down, but they didn't throw him the ball. But the look that they got, there was no corner over there. Isaiah Simmons was alone to that side on Travis Kelsey. So I'm sure somebody called out from the booth and it's like, there's nobody over there. So on yeah. the next play, Kelsey just had like a little outside release for an easy touchdown. It's like, well, if you're going to do that, we have answers for you doing that. And I just love that. It's like you can just clearly see the gears turning of, all right, if you're going to do that, then we're going to do this. And it leads to right. an easy touchdown. I, I always refer to it like a string reading. It's it's okay. You do this. Well, we're going to pull it this way. Oh, you're going to react to this, and we're going to. It's rock paper scissors where you always lose. That that's that's what they're doing to you, or they're one step ahead. Whatever idiom you want to use, but it's that's what it felt like today. And it was week one, and it wasn't other than that red zone play I talked about with the, the shovel. Nothing felt funky where I was like, oh, well, it's just because it's week one. They had a great game plan. It's more like they've shown these bones before. It's the same stuff they've shown, but now I think they just honed in on what actually is going to match their personnel and actually match like, hey, let's use this offensive line. Let's use number 15, and we get we get a bunch of good receivers on, and Kelsey. It's it's a really good formula, and it looked really good today. All right, next one here. Minnesota Vikings, especially their offense, you have my attention. That first yeah. drive opened some eyes, I have to assume, and just the game that Justin Jefferson had. All of us were very excited about what Justin Jefferson could look like in this offense. And I think after what happened today, a lot of that excitement was justified. Oh, my goodness. It it was so cool. I'm going to be talking about the – my first video will be about the second touchdown. uh, Great plug. Look at you. Uh Look out for Wind the Clock on our YouTube page that you're on right now. uh, Is that coming out tomorrow? It should be coming out tomorrow, yes. I'll I'll be recording I'm recording after this, so it better be coming out tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, that, let's actually not joke about it. Please, yeah. we're going to do this this year. Some of the plays that we're going to talk about on this show, Nate is going to put out, Nate is going to have a video series that comes out every Monday that ties some of the concepts that we talk about on the show to videos that we're going to do for you guys so you can actually see some of this stuff in practice. I know that visualizing it can be a little bit difficult, so we're trying to make it easier for you by doing some of it actually on YouTube where he's going to draw some of these concepts out for you. So let's walk through yeah. that play. Like, What is the play that the Vikings ran that you really liked from this game? And it was it's a class it's a classic classic play action concept a deep one a three man one usually deep play actions are two man worked across like we say over and post double corners and everything this is a three man uh, three man route concept I've been around uh, teams that call this cross country uh, but what it is is you have a deep they had a deep post with KJ Osborne then they had Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson running basically overs at each other and what it did was. 
the Packers running so much, they were in cover three on this play. Usually you're running so much too high in the quarters is you're really putting the safeties. They have to make, you're making them communicate. We talk about offensive lines going against D line games and all that. They have to communicate and pass it off. Same thing except for DBs. And what they did was, so the post took Stokes out of the play and here comes Justin Jefferson on the, uh, on the, on, I'm sorry, Osborne took Stokes out of the play. So here comes Justin Jefferson coming on the other over route. And there's Jair Alexander going, oh, I'm passing this off. I'm in cover three, but I am passing this off because I have another over route. I'm feeling coming at me. But Stokes is running out of the play. If you're wondering why that was so wide open, it's because they gamed the shit out of them. And that's, that's what I was going to say. If you're wondering how Justin Jefferson is open by 20 yards on that play, if you go back and watch the play, it's the touchdown that he scores where he yes. has all of the yak afterwards. There isn't anyone within 20 yards of him. You can't see another human being on the screen when he catches the ball. And if you're wondering how that is, it's because the corner to that side is literally chasing a guy to the goalpost. And the safety on that side followed Thielen just enough on the over before Jair Alexander had to catch it. So now there's just no one in that space. And they did a couple of those. He hit a couple Mm -hmm. big time over routes off play action in this game. We, we're really speculating about what the Vikings offense would look like with O'Connell. A lot of play action. They had a lot of play action That's... shots on those big crossing routes, the similar to what we've seen. The difference is a lot of those play action concepts that were huge plays for the McVay Shanahan kind of tree early on were two man deep concepts. Yes. You have a clear out and then you have the big over coming behind it. But if you're playing those two high shells, you can catch that. But if they're three man and you're clearing two guys out with those routes that you're talking about, now you're starting to attack two high shells with crossing routes in a way that you couldn't with a more basic version of those concepts, if you if, if that's fair. Yeah, you're just messing with the defense's math like you are. You're overloading. That's what you're doing. You're you're making them – you're breaking their rules. And on top of it, we, we – spec- like you said, we speculated about this was – they, oh God, he set it up beautifully. Like he was calling, he was calling a gem of a game in the first half because he was just all the run plays. They had so many jet motions, which we figured they would. All the Rams stuff they had, but they were going eleven personnel. They they ran eleven personnel two thirds of the time compared to about forty percent last year for the Vikings. So they're doing like split zone with KJ Osborne as the de facto tight end going across. <laughs> but then they ran jet motion with power. The Rams never run power. So it's okay. So Connell's not just going, nope, cut and paste. He, he's actually going, okay, we're going to tweak this for what we want to do, which I loved. And then on top of it, like the fourth and one on Jefferson's first touchdown, they've shown jet motion. They've shown jet motion. They've shown jet motion. Okay. Now Justin Jefferson's on the jet motion and they catch Stokes just locked in because he's, oh, it's fourth and one. I'm man on my guy. But that's his guy first to the flat was Jefferson coming his way. It was just great design in a big situation. And that's having confidence. That's designing a play and actually calling it on a fourth and one. That's not going, no, let's just run the ball. Let's just, let's just run zone because I won't get yelled at if I do that. Because if Jefferson's not open there, <laughs> there's not really another route that's going to be popping anywhere. But that's just – they knew what the design was. They knew what to attack. And they, they really got after Stokes this game. And they did a great job. Like all this stuff works and it helps when you have a guy named Justin Jefferson that can run every route and catch every ball and make guys miss. Check his watch on his way to score the second touchdown. He juked backwards because he thought, and he was like, oh, there's no one near me. And then he was just like, okay, I'm going to waltz into the end zone. It, it's, it was an awesome performance from their offense. And, and what you said about him doing everything, he was running option routes in this game. There were a couple different plays where he's the second guy in a stack and he's running yep. the option routes out of it the same way we see from Cooper Cup. He's going to yep. do a lot of that stuff. Not as much in the slot. You pointed out on Twitter earlier today. I think he only had 
one snap from the slot about the first three half, quarters yeah. of the way through this game. But yeah. he's still in stacks. He's still going yes. in motion. You're still making the game easy on him and hard on the defense. And I actually thought Olsen did a really good job during the broadcast of pointing out some of the ways that they were doing that. But I think that's going to be a consistent theme from this offense over the course of the season. Vikings, yeah. I mean, the point totals aren't going to wow you. They were 4 of 13 on third down in this game. Right. They struggled to uh, sustain some drive strings and stuff together. But I think Kirk Cousins had the fifth highest EPA per dropback of any quarterback of the weekend. Their offense was very efficient, and I think they're going to continue to be very efficient if they're this intentional about putting arguably the best receiver in the league. There's a couple other guys we're going to talk about today. He's in the conversation. Yeah. He's pretty fucking good, and they're doing it really, really intentionally about making the game easier on him. And you just got to remember, the Packers have a good defense. Like, yes. I, I know they lost this game. They have a good defense. That was a good performance from the Vikings against a very good defense that that does a lot of things well and has a lot of juice now. So it was a, it was really, really well done. I, I love that you point out the stack stuff. Usually when you get a guy off the ball in a stack, it's because, okay, we don't want him press. Maybe he's not great against press, but Justin Jefferson can beat press. And so now you're just hitting the easy button for him. Exactly. So, so, on, so on top of the hard stuff, let's just game up some easy stuff for him. This is what the Packers have done with Devontae Adams for years, which is what the, let's design some stuff so you can just get some easy buckets. And then on top of that, just also catch like some crazy balls in the end zone. It, it's yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch Justin Jefferson this year. You were talking about KJ Osborne. It made me look up how much yeah. 11 personnel the Vikings used today. It was only two thirds of their place. So they actually used a decent amount of 22 personnel with CJ Ham and about 10% 21 personnel. And we were wondering, again, just a question coming into week one. Mm -hmm. The Rams literally did not run a play that wasn't in 11 personnel in week one. They were like 95% 11 personnel last year. What would the Vikings look like even if they had three receivers that they could rely on? The answer is more varied than the Rams did when Kevin O'Connell was there. So just little tiny things you can check off over, over the course of the first few weeks as you start to get some answers to these questions right and and that's i like that's why i'm kind of optimistic with o'connell is i like the fact you know when zach taylor first went to the Bengals. i know we already just had a rough Bengals segment but when he first went there he just pile on we there's nothing we can do at this point i know i know but he just had all all he did was 11 person he just tried to copy the rams attack and like cut and paste it and so it was cool to see like just that power example i gave the power play uh, where the pole and the guard, they did that two or three times. It, it was cool to see, okay, yes, we can, th- we're going to build the base out of this, but the rest of the pyramid, I'm going to make my own stuff and understand what my personnel is. So it's cool that they got CJ Ham, Ham going a little bit. They had a screenplay for him. That was pretty they sweet. Did. Like, yeah, I know CJ Ham, you know, just a hero, Minnesota hero. But, uh, yeah, I think O'Connell is going to really use that, those types of guys. So I'm curious how he gets Irv Smith going with guys like that too. Last thing I wanted to mention about the Vikings, I really like some of the stuff they did with Zedarius Smith in this game. He was lined up over the guard on one of the sacks that he had. He was lined up as an off-ball linebacker on first down on one of the big plays that he had. I was like, all right. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that sounds good. So I didn't watch – I didn't rewatch the Vikings' defense in this game as 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 closely as I watched the Vikings' offense. I do want to go back and watch, though, and just kind of see what the source was for some of the Packers' struggles and what the Vikings were doing. But I think the first – little bit that we've gotten pretty darn good from Minnesota. Last one here. Don't need to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, rewatching it, it was actually more a few plays near the end that really jumped out. But Cleo Mack, Joey Bosa, Chargers pass rush. You have some of my attention after the way that yeah. that game ended and some of the stuff that they did up front. And we're pretty optimistic about, I know we're talking about uh, uh, Mack and Bosa here. We're optimistic about the Chargers offense. You know what's really great for pass rushers? To play with a lead. 
Yes. And pin those ears back and go. You only can, this is what having two pass rushers, and we, we talked about with Deontay, is when you have those guys just heating up the quarterback over and over, is you don't, those quarterbacks that were, I'm sorry, those offenses that are trying to come back, they're trying to get as many guys out on routes, so they can't chip help as much. So you have to pick your poison. It's we have to get the ball out quick or we chip help. And, you know, now we don't got five guys, you know, out on routes right away. And you could see that as the game went along, you could see that with Carr. There's a saying that in quarterback rooms I've been in that you're not hot, but you're warm. It's, you know, you know that they're only rushing four, but one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Oh, God, get the rid of the ball. And you could see that happening to Derek as the game went along. He's not only got sacked five times, he got hit nine times. Four by four by Mac, two by Bosa. There's a third down run where Mac just blows up the side, like caves in the whole side of the play. <laughs> it, it was just, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty kick-ass performance by them, especially as the game went along. There was some that the third sack was a covered sack. There was a sack on a wide receiver pass from Adams. Like there were a couple of cheap oh, that ones was in so, that game. Such a funny that, play. <laughs> it was a very funny play. Derek Carr really needs to work on his pass protection technique. That was pretty pitiful. <laughs> He literally had to take a bull rush from, I think it was Joey Bosa in the moment. Bosa. It was yeah. terrible. I felt, I was like, oh. oh man, that's a rough spot for Derek Carr. But yeah. I, what I really loved is I loved some of the designs from the Chargers mm-hmm. in some of those moments. So I, one of the things I love is when the Saints specifically do a lot of this where they'll have their two edge rushers really wide with one single nose over the center and they'll walk the two linebackers up. So they'll have a 5-0 look across, but only with three defensive linemen. The Chargers did that several times in this game, including in some really big moments. The first Khalil Mack sack, they did that, and they ran a twist with Derwin and Kyle Van Noy, which yeah, was Yeah, Derwin awesome. James, I know, I want to look what his blitz rate was, because Derwin James, I, I, we all know he's a great blitzer. He's such a great all-around player, but they were getting, I mean, it's funny watching him beat guards. Like, yeah. he's, it's not like he just beats up on running backs. He's a legit pass rusher. So now you got three guys just bringing heat running those games and a funky looks too. Cause that causes edginess too. Cause now the O line's got to, oh, am I sliding out to him or uh, I got to keep my, keep my eyes on it. So when you got that kind of firepower, might as well game it up a little bit. And then on that final drive, on the second down, Van Noy was again, they lined up with him over the guard. He came, he had a great bull rush on the right guard. Next play was that Bosa sack with Khalil Mack, who had a really nice spin move. And then the one on fourth and eight that, to finish off the game, they had that same yep. 5-0 look, and Mack just had a ridiculous hump move that just finished off the play against the left against Colt Miller. It was a, one of my favorite pass rush moves that I've seen in a while from him. It was just extreme amount of power. And the fact that they're playing that way and – they're adding in some really cool wrinkles to some of their pass yeah. rush looks. That's a group and just a coached unit that I am very excited about watching as the season unfolds here. And now they play the Chiefs in four days, which is going to be – Oh, my God. I don't even think I'm going to be fun. ready for that. I'm going to need to sleep until then in order to get enough energy to be up for that one. <laughs> Take a nap before that game just so you're good to go. I know. that I'm excited. I'm excited for that offensive line against these guys. That's going to be a really, really fun game. All right. So every week – I want us to predict what the sports shouting of the week is going to be. If you guys, this is a very esoteric 30 Rock joke. The, I'm not going to say the names of actual shows. The debate show that they are parodying on 30 Rock is called Sports Shouting. Tracy Morgan is a frequent guest. So we are going to try to program sports shouting on this show. Figure out what the conversations are going to be over the course of the next week. Speaking of the Raiders, I think we're going to have a lot of chatter about what Devontae Adams looked like in that game for Las Vegas and what the Packers offense looked like 
without Devontae Adams. All of this stuff is ripe for overreaction in week one. Oh, yeah. There is no crazier week in terms of some of the shit that is going to be said over the next 72 hours and what's actually going to matter by the end of the season. But if we're trying to zero in on a couple different topics, this is one, and I think there's going to be one more. But what do you and think about all of, the, all of the dialogue that's going to happen about Aaron Rodgers here over the next two days? I can already see it because they already have the visual too of Rogers throwing a hissy fit in the first quarter, and yes. so that's uh, you can I can already see it. They they show Did him having the hissy. See what fit. he looked like after the Watson miss, right? He so was, he was, so he was Watson drops it. He he literally looks over to the sideline and essentially was like, "I told you." Like that's essentially what his look was. It was just like he like kind of like shrugged. I assume at oh. Matt Lafleur after that drop and. There is going to be so much of that. Oh. Some passive aggressive, some just aggressive. <laughs> he that that one that Watson dropped. I I think that ball touched the ceiling in, in Minnesota. Like that thing was a rainbow of all rainbow throws. And yeah, that that's what it felt like. It, it felt like a little passive aggressiveness. There was a someone had a great tweet. I'm, I'm blanking on this. They used CM Punk, the wrestler, went off in a interview last last week at a media scrum and he just called out all these other wrestlers and the rant like matches what Aaron Rodgers is probably feeling like perfectly. I'm with I'm working with a bunch of effing kids, you know, like all this. It, it was it was exactly what Aaron Rodgers is feeling. And then on top of it, you probably watches Devontae Adams getting 17 targets. He was tar- Devontae Adams was targeted on 40% of his routes today. <laughs> 40% of his routes he was targeted. It's, it's ridiculous. And he was I mean performing like crazy. And what's funny, too, is I actually thought the Packers, even though he got sacked a few times, I actually thought the O-line played okay. Yeah. And it was mostly coverage sacks. And why do coverage sacks happen? It's because someone's not getting open. So what do you th- who do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be mad at? His coaches and his receivers this week. So, sure, it's going to be a ton of fun in Green Bay. I want to rewatch it, but what did you think yeah. of so what you saw of Devontae's usage just throughout the game and the ways they were – they seemed like they were just trying to create opportunities for him yeah. in every way imaginable, which we were wondering about that. Are they just going to mm-hmm. try to channel the way he was used in Green Bay where it's like we're just building the passing offense around you? And it did really feel like that. We're drawing him, drawing him up designer stuff in the red zone. Yep. It just felt like kind of an extension of the way the Packers used him, which is pretty exciting. It is. It, I was – just like you said, I was a little – Okay, it's Josh McDaniels just because like I saw Josh McDaniels run the power pass where the guy pulls. We've seen Gronk catch these a million times and Darren Waller <laughs> caught it, which is Darren Waller, so it's a good player. So it's like, okay, is this gonna be the progression based stuff? And I mean it was. You can tell Derek Carr was really trying to get through stuff, but you could tell they put him on like the prime routes. Like he had a backside dig that was really nice, but then some they put him in the slot and just gamed him up, you know, it yep. looked like a choice route or something. Um, but also, yeah, like you said, the red zone plays. It was they know who their best player is. Like they, they know how much they invested in him, and it looked that way, which I is encouraging. I think because I, I was that was something we were worried about. But yeah, they used him a ton and every which way possible, which is what helps when you have a top tier receiver that's scheme proof. It was a pretty wild like hour and a half stretch. I guess it was before the first games. But watching Aaron Rodgers get asked on national television about doing ayahuasca and what it did for his mindfulness routine and then watching him bitch at people on the sideline for an entire game was an incredible several-hour experience. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's just, oh, yeah, it's helped me come to peace and just understanding and patience. And then, yeah, just sitting, first- I was just sitting there watching it happen. My fiance was sitting next to me on the couch. She goes, did that really just happen? I was like, yes, it really did on the pregame show. Oh, my God. This what is going on? Like what is what is this team? What is this team? I it's 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 absolutely bizarre. It's what's going on there. I I'm sure they'll sh- be fine, but it was just yeah, an incredible series of events. 
Oh, even like so. This is Aaron Rodgers almost threw a pick on uh, the flat. Like he always throws those little flats, the number three Y flat usually. But it was to Christian Watson, and he almost throws a pick uh, because the guy jumped it because Romeo Dobbs didn't block, and then Watson stopped running. So that's going to be a great play to watch in film room. The most simple play that you could run, just a flat route where two guys block. And I'm sure he'll be real chill about it. Yeah, two of the rookies busted, and he almost threw a pick six on it. Yeah, I'm sure Rodgers, who does not care about his image at all, probably doesn't, you know, I'm sure he's going to let him let him rip on that one. All right, one more. I want to talk about this. It was not in our original plan here because we had not – It was we did this before the Sunday night game ended. We're going to be a lot of conversation about Dak Prescott and about the Dallas Cowboys this week. Even before the thumb injury, there was going to be a lot of Dallas panic yeah. unfolding over the next few days. That volume is going to be very, very loud in the coming hours. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, this entire team was under fire. This offense, too, had to perform. And we said, I said, that a lot of this this Cowboys offense is all on Dak's shoulders. And now he's out. And it's and this was supposed to be when he was healthiest. Even when he let, I knew it was bad juju when five days ago he had a bum ankle in practice. And it's like, oh, no, this is happening. And now now it's a finger or wrist, whatever it was. And yeah, I, I'm sure at least the Cowboys don't have a big fan base, you know, or anything where, you know, they're not very vocal fan base with huge, you know, ramifications for TV and everything. So I'm sure no one's going to talk about what they looked like yes or tonight and also what Dax injury is going to look like. Sean Payton may be spending some some time on the uh, Dallas Redfin or Zillow pages here in the, in the next few days. I have to assume just just browsing, just just wondering what the market looks like. I don't know. I think he, it's just moved up. It's like uh, I think he was originally planning for New Year's, and now it's like, oh man, maybe maybe we can get there in Thanksgiving. Like maybe maybe Halloween, uh, based on the pace that this is going at. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we're gonna talk about some of the teams let us down a little bit on Sunday. Man, we're still I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. That's great. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's a good one. That's from Neighbors, I, I think it is. Very well done, Kent. So each week we're going to talk about a couple teams. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just disappointed. And that's how I feel about the Indianapolis Colts. Man, predict the top 10 offense. <laughs> so we can dig into this. Yeah. I you look at the final score, they tie the Texans in yeah. week one after the Titans lose to the Giants. Yeah. I don't think anyone's excited about the Titans, even people in Nashville. The, I talked to Derek Classen on the AFC South preview about this. I was like, the Colts have to win this division this year. Right. If they do not win this division this year, I, I don't know when they're ever going to do it. And then they tie the Texans. Yeah. Going back and rewatching this game, they looked a lot better than I expected them to. I completely I'm not even trying agree. to defend them. This is not a rationalization. They no. looked a lot better than I expected them to. This is just nonsense mistakes in high leverage moments. Yep. Coming up empty inside the five yard line because you're running a wildcat play yep. from on fourth and two, uh, which is and, yeah. driving me insane. I need Frank Reich to go do like 20 red zone studies and just spend like an entire month of the off season figuring out how to draw up plays inside the five yard line. I'm sure they already do that, but this team consistently does not come away with points inside the 10 and it drives me insane. So Dude, that's one five of them. In the red zone two for five. It, it, I just, it needs to great I, run I, game. Can't keep doing that. That cannot keep doing that. Can't. Ryan throws a pick on a screen pass at the 22 yard line. Yep. They fumble a snap exchange inside yep. the 40 at one point. 
And so really, really botched opportunities that should have come away with points. And then a couple other just kind of bonehead moments. Derek Stingley had an incredible PBU in the red zone. Awesome play. On Alec Pierce. You pointed it yeah. out. I had I'd already watched it. I was like, man, it was an incredible play. So you go back and you watch it. Their offense was more consistent and just more explosive and just better overall than I expected them to be. But they still tied the Texans on the road. They only had two three and outs. I, yeah. I thought I was going to look at it. They had 33 cool. first downs. Yeah, they put up. I know they had 90 plays, 33 first downs, over 500 yards. It's just that, yeah, when it came, they went, uh, where they go? Six for 15 on third down, over one on fourth down, the play you brought up. That That's what it was. It was just the high leverage moments. Even one of their three and outs, they got nine yards. It was the first drive and it was fourth and one. You know, it wasn't like they were stalled, you know, or weren't doing anything. It was just, that's what it was. It was just a frustrating performance a little bit on the in the big moments. But they looked balanced. The run game looked awesome. There's a yeah, wineback play where um, I'm blanking on the receiver, number 16. It, he pulls Ashton around. Doing. Thank you, Doolin. And he pulls around on it. I'm really excited to watch that one all 22 because it was it was beautifully blocked by everybody. So it was it was just a lot of varieties running pin pole stuff. That the run game looked good, and it was just that yeah they just shot themselves in the foot a few times. The defense on the other side, they Gus Bradley is like blitzing now. He he yes. blitz about. He blitz about league average. He, what, he read like uh, a I simulated think, pressure at one point. There were guys coming from different spots. I was like, man, I did yeah. not expect this to happen at all. He blitzed last year on uh, with the Raiders 4.7% of the time on first and second down. So usually the least blitz happy. They blitzed it today at about 11%. League average is usually about 13%. So league average Gus Bradley. Baby like, steps. Okay. Baby steps. That's all it is. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be Todd Bulls. You don't have to get the Spags level. You know, just but like Gus, you know, like, you know, have a little, have a little more of a little, little pep to you. But that I I I did like that. The defense. They were on a lot of cover three. I'm sure that's not surprising to anybody that's watching the Gus Texans Bradley scored defense. on the same play. Yeah. Oh, oh, the Texans the, scored. Their two, there's the two OJ Howard touchdowns happened on the, the exact Benders, right? same play on the opposite sides of the field. So they were lined up with in 12 personnel. Both tight ends were on one side. Both receivers were on the other side. Both tight ends ran vertical routes. So the number one receiver pulled the corner to that side. And because the free safety was shaded just a little bit to mm-hmm. the receivers, OJ Howard just ran down the seam on the exact same play for two touchdowns. Because so it's like, funny. well, it's a cover three beater. We know exactly what they're going to be in. So we can yeah. hit him with it. They probably need to find a solution to that specific play because they got beat yes. by two touchdowns on it today. Especially with Davis Mills to, to OJ Howard. It's not exactly. Who wasn't uh, on the team a week ago. Yeah, right. It's not like Mills has, you know, got a rocket launcher attached to his arm. So, yeah, we maybe want to close a little quicker on those. And that's where, you know, not having a Shaq Leonard in there because that's what he goes by now, right? Shaq Leonard, so, yep. The, yeah, Shaq Leonard. The, not having him, you know, probably carrying on all those kind of plays or getting north, you know, the coverage stuff. So, so maybe the there's second some one, I, I wanted to ask you about this. So they actually mm-hmm. brought a pressure on the second one. Okay, so they had two linebackers on the field. Might have been three linebackers. I think they might have been in base personnel, but they had two off-ball linebackers in that play. Mm -hmm. One of them blitzed, okay? So this is going to be a little bit naughty, but I actually do want to know the answer. So if one of them blitzes and you only have one kind of whole player that's like in that hook area as a zone defender, can he not get like a certain amount of depth because he's the only person there? Because he stood flat-footed as Jose Howard ran by him. I wasn't sure if his responsibilities in zone changed because there was no one else next to him on that side. I think it's more, uh, I'm thinking of the play you're talking about, uh, it's that he's relating to the back. Oh, okay, and that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so he's more worried about the back as opposed to carrying with that. I, okay. I want to say it's more on on the intermediate or the the uh, seam defender on those for maybe not carrying 
or that they just had a void and the safety's got to make a play. Well, there like, wasn't I, even I a seam defender because he was the only guy on that side because there was, was the other linebacker was, was spot drop, didn't it? Yeah, now that I think about it, I think it was like spot drop. Or so, yeah, I think they just this got This doesn't matter. This is exposed. terrible podcasting. I just wanted no, to know, know the know, answer but, because I, know, I was watching it. I was about. like, why wouldn't, why isn't he moving? So it's yeah. just something that we'll go, we can go back and I think and he's watch, really back. All right. I do feel okay about the Colts after that game. Going back and rewatching, yeah. and I was like, eh, this is just a shitty outcome. Like, they'll be fine. Yep. Their offense looks a lot better than I expected them to, putting up 20 points, turn the ball over. You come away with no points inside the 20 a couple different times against an NFL team. This is some of the stuff that can happen. They missed a field goal, a bunch of that shit. Yep. The other team I'm a little bit disappointed in that I think some of it might be a little bit real with some caveats. The Niners lost to the Bears today by two scores. I know. I, I no one expected that. Uh, it was so in horse racing in a mutter in a mutter race when it's sloppy, you kind of throw it out a little bit. You know, you kind of so just that's go. Kind of the thing. Yeah, I'm not going to take too much out of that. But you know, maybe Justin Fields a mutter. You know, maybe this maybe he's built for this. Like maybe this is he's he's built for Chicago. Like maybe that's what he is. Just him running around. But it's it was just a such a such a mucky game that it's hard to you see guys like slipping and falling. Fields got two gloves on. It, it was kind of just a, a strange game that I'm like excited to like rewatch on film because I think it's gonna be hilarious watching probably some stuff that happened off screen because Soldier Fields view was so tight. What a disgusting game. The rain, it was hilarious this morning. We got up. We we're going to let Molly outside. And she was running to go outside because the door was open. And then she saw the weather and she skidded across the floor as she stopped. And then about 90 minutes later, Nick Bosa did the exact same thing as he was walking out for warm-ups. It's like, I saw that already this morning. I have multiple funny. calls from people in my life today. Multiple calls and texts after that game being like, what a win. This is great. I told you. I told you they were going to be okay this year. Guys. Justin Fields completed eight passes today. Yeah. Eight. I'd, I'd, when I was doing True One Media, I had, to lower, I had to lower the threshold <laughs> just so I could get his stats in there. One of them was a broken play where he, he ran out of the pocket and had to throw the ball back across the field for 50 yards. His yeah. other, The three other chunk plays in this game, I think there were probably four chunk plays. I, I didn't actually sort it. But there was one play action pass to Pringle that was an actual within the structure of the play completion. Mm -hmm. There was the 51-yard scramble. There was the long scramble that he had as a runner where he had to spin out of a clear sack. Yeah, he made a guy miss coming off unblocked off the edge on a play action pass on one point. And then he had the actual within structure touchdown pass to St. Brown. That was like a beautiful little league play. Great that design, was perfect yeah. for that situation. But this is a it was a disgusting, ugly game. I, yeah. I've not taken a ton away from this as far as the quality of the Bears team goes. I thought they played really hard. I thought that mm -hmm. they had a couple really nice plays on defense. The brisker TFL that forced that third down near the goal line was a fantastic play. And Justin Fields made some big plays and big moments where he really had to carry it. But I'm st I still have some big questions about what the Bears offense is going to look like over the course of a season within normal situations. That being said, I also think I have some questions about what the Niners offense is going to look like in some pretty traditional situations moving forward. It, yeah, it was like the worst possible game for a Trey Lance and because Trey Lance also throws a wobbly ball. So wind is not very fun for that. And he had he had the most pass attempts this uh, this week uh, of three or more seconds. Which I thought was interesting. I mean, and Summers is scrambling and running around. There's last 24. year he had the highest average time to throw in the league. Uh, yeah, and it, and so now you're getting, you know, Bears pass rush was decent, but the, you know, 49ers offensive line it was they had some moments where they didn't look too 
look too hot. So you don't really want your quarterback holding on the ball for three and a half seconds, four seconds. They also Fields and Lance combined had 24 total carries between them, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. Um, but yeah, even, I know we're talking about the, the 49ers offense, but real quick with the Bears offense or really more the 49ers defense, you could tell the Bears coaches were just terrified on third down. They're like, we do just not just hold it on for dear life. They were they ran the ball so many times on like third and sevens. They caught him once on a nice like little zone play. Yes, third you could and tell four, they got it. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. But I could tell they're just like, oh no, it's third down. Oh God, look at Bosa. Oh God, they're over. Oh no, here comes the game. Hand it off. Let's just run. Let's just run a zone play. I also think that a lot of 49ers, like one of my favorite bets or bets I'm going to be looking at is all the totals for 49ers games because I think their their defense is just going to be, you know, just a bunch of banshees and then on offense like they're i think they're a run ball and you know hit some chunk plays i think it's gonna be a lot of quick games you know not quick game throwing but short games it's like a greg maddox start like just a lot of it's gonna be really quick 82 pitches i think that's how a lot of 49ers <laughs> games are gonna be <laughs> but but their offense when eli mitchell went down my my pick for leading rusher in the nfl when he when he went down it, and all of a sudden they had a spam by or um, byron pringle debo samuel runs it's like 49ers don't want to do that they want to sprinkle them in but they don't want to lean on it. They don't want to build the whole ship out of it. Tyrion so, Price was inactive. They had Jeff Wilson and Eli Mitchell, I think, coming into the game as the backs. So as soon yep. as Eli Mitchell went down, a lot of Debo runs, which is the exact same yep. situation they were in last year. Exactly. Funniest moment of this game by far. It was the same oh, drive yeah. where Fields made that guy miss. The Bears getting a 15-yard penalty because the, the holder had to bring out a towel to sop up the area where they were trying to kick a field goal. For everyone asking, you can clean off the area. There's obviously the famous scene and the famous shot of all of the Patriots players sweeping up the snow in yeah. the, the game again, in the Tuck Rule game, but you cannot bring a foreign object to clean the field. That was the penalty. <laughs> you learn something new every day when you're dealing with the soldier field turf. It was so funny. It was, you could tell the holder was just, what? What? And it was like, you can't, come on, man. It, like the, the replay was hilarious. Cause it's just this big sopping towel that he just launches. And it's just, it was, like I've never to put seen a paper anything. towel in a pool. It, it wasn't getting a lot done. <laughs> like it's a bounty commercial, like, you know, just absorbing all this stuff. I know it was, that was hilarious. That really was. But it was an eventful day for kickers and holders and long snappers, apparently. I mean, even backups ones, like with the Bengals, we, we had some experiences with it. I think a lot of people became aware of the operation that is the long snapper holder and kicker today, uh, just for a variety of different reasons. Justin Reed banged a kickoff for a touchback. He looked I, pretty damn good. I can't believe all the, that meme from the past month of him practicing kicks. Oh, he made a 55-yarder in practice. It came to fruition like five minutes into week one. I couldn't I, I, believe it. I thought it. it was a bit. I was like, are they winning I by so much that they're just trotting him out there? I didn't realize that the kicker had gotten hurt. I thought he was. I thought the kicker maybe was like, "Hey, hey, Justin, I got you. Like, I, I got you, bud. Like, I, I'm gonna act like I hurt my ankle." But then they show the replay of his ankle. It looked like snapped in half. <laughs> so, I was surprised he wasn't more hurt. He came out and kicked a 50 yard field goal yep. at one point after oh, he did yep. that. Yep, hobbling. Yeah, he was well, justifiably excited about it when it went through. I would have been too. He, he had it. Hey, he gets to have his Willis Reed moment. He came out. The crowd went nuts, and he bangs bangs the field goal. You know, everyone's gonna remember that one, like the 72 Knicks. Last thing I want to say about the Bears, I will say. When you're at this stage of it, you are nascent stages. It's literally step one in the process of a new regime. You'll take these games. 
okay, that yeah. these are culture winning building games. This shit does matter. Winning games does matter, and pulling out games like this does matter. Even if it doesn't necessarily predict what your performance is going to look like moving forward, yeah. when they're doing that slip and slide in the end zone, and including so your cool. first round pick starting quarterback, like diving headfirst into the mud with his teammates after you win your first game of the season, that stuff does have actual consequence, but I don't yeah. think it's necessarily going to be indicative of what's going to happen here over the next month. That That's the thing about the NFL, man. A win is a win. That yes. it's, you know, we all want the stats. We want to talk about the Mahomes numbers and all that. Everybody, of course, wants those performances, but only one that matters, only stat that matters is what's in the W column. And and I'm telling you, they they could care less how it happens. It's Chicago anyways. This is how they're supposed to win games. They all they all they needed was a special teams touchdown. And like that would have been so a true much, Bears win. Brisker Brisker looks sweet though. He he he's a smart player, dude. It's, Just he's start cool. to add it up. Gordon yep. had some up and down moments. There, there yep. was a pretty pretty brutal one, but there was some good ones as well. Just start to yep. stack them up. That's all that matters. Yep. All right, we're gonna take one more quick break. When we get back, we're gonna pick out a couple guys that we took notice of this weekend. Love it. I don't know what that is. Is that another wrestling job? I, I, I maybe. I, I probably yes. We're I'll gonna just have say to yes, ask so. Ken what these are before we do them. Anyway, each nice week, each week we're gonna do a segment called "We See You." It's gonna be about a spotlight performance that we're trying to hone in on. Somebody that we want to shine a little bit more light on. Oftentimes, this is going to be somebody that was a little bit underrated, a little bit under the radar. In week one, there are so many guys that we actually wanted to take a look at because we didn't know what it was going to be that we're going to focus on A.J. Brown today. Ten catches on 13 targets for 155 yards. Seems like the Eagles are pretty intent about building their passing game around A.J. Brown. I think a third of his routes, he got a target. Like it's Yeah, we talk about like Devontae Adams where the bread is buttered. Yeah, I think... Uh, they they traded it for him and paid him. There, yeah, I think all the plays are going to be designed. It, it was it was really interesting, and this is where I'll eat a little bit of crow. Was that I was a little worried about? Okay, well, Jalen Hurts he doesn't really throw it on the inside, and AJ Brown makes a lot living on digs and inbreakers. It doesn't matter. It, it's like he he's dunking on guys and go balls, and how they get the yak with AJ Brown because he's a yak monster. That is like that's what he is. Screens and slants, like the traditional way. That's it. You know, the mid. The missionary position of yak, but it's like that's that's. But he got this. Hey, dude, it's ten o'clock West Coast time. It's oh, so he it's got the screens. One. I know, but he but uh, they as opposed to these play actions with Tannehill. Now it's RPOs with Jalen Hurts, and it's slants and glances, and it it man, he looked awesome. He looked awesome today. The first passing play they had of the game, I think, was a screen to him. It was like an inside breaking screen mm-hmm. where it was uh, they threw it behind the line of scrimmage, so it looked like a yep. slant, but it was actually a screen pass. Titans used to do that a ton in his first season to manufacture touches for him. They also ran a couple more traditional like tunnel screens to him coming underneath. Yep. Don't like that. That is not where he I'm does well because he's not a change of direction player. He's not a stop and start guy. He's you a want to get him guy. the ball on the move moving yep. downhill. So some of the slants and glances and all of that, he looked great on. But I think you can throw the re- those little tiny screen passes out of there. And they both of them, I think they ran two of them. Neither of them were very successful. But every time they got him the ball on the move, huge chunk gains. And I know yeah. what you're saying about the in-breaking routes. They did hit a couple of them, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had nine completions between the numbers today. I think he had 104 all of last season. So they're That's, doing it more. Yeah. 
even if it's little baby steps. I mean, a couple slants and easy ones, but they yep. hit one like deeper strike route that we yep. would see from Tennessee. That was the stuff that AJ Brown was awesome on, where the tight end ties it down in front, and then he runs that strike or glance or whatever you want to call it behind mm-hmm. it. And it went for a chunk gain. I mean, if yep. they can hit one or two of those a game, combined with him hitting go balls and all the other shit you can do with him, yep. it's going to unlock the passing game in some of the ways they probably envisioned and we had doubts about. And we're talking about the like first and second down plays. And, but even like there's a third down in the second half and it's an out route. And it was, I think it was third and seven. How much? It was, so it was right after the go ball happened. Go ball ha- happened exactly, a little bit earlier. Exactly what you're going to say. And then the third and seven happened, though, and he sells going vertical. And you can see the it's the TV copy, but you can see the corner just fly off the screen because he's so scared of his speed. But then he runs out route and Hurts throws it right on time. Perfect. And it was like, well, now we're doing that straight drop back stuff. That's great. That's where it's nice to have a dude because sometimes you drop a play and you're like, okay, who do I put here? Who do I put here? It's nice when you have a guy like AJ Brown. You go, well, it's third down and. You know, somebody free Devonte Smith. I know only one guy could get these targets for them, but it's this helps. This helps out a young quarterback a ton to know, hey, it's third. You know, it's 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 a big play here. I know exactly where I'm going with the ball. That really helps a quarterback to just take other decisions out of his mind. I love that you mentioned that two play sequence on that right side because that's exactly what I noticed. He hits the go ball and then he sells it so hard vertically and hits so the speed out, and it was easy because he had so much cushion. And watching AJ Brown. Is just such. This is why good receivers are good, and I know that sounds stupid, but AJ yeah. Brown runs a four-five. Okay, AJ Brown is not this down the field vertical burner, but he plays so violently and with yep. so much conviction that that go ball he just sells a little bit and he's gone. And in, as soon yep. as you hit that one, it's like being a shooter and hitting one three. As soon yep. as you start doing that, and people have to respect it. That's all you have to do is make people account for your ability to beat them over the top. And if you yep. can do that, then you can start eating underneath. And he had one slant today. Remember that touchdown that Jamar Chase scored against the Ravens last year against yep. Marlon Humphrey, where he sells it vertically with so much push and almost throws him off before running a slant. A.J. Brown, running slants is not a complicated thing on its no. face. But when you're doing it that violently and with so much vertical push and you're getting guys on their heels and just playing so fast underneath it, that's why that's how a slant turns into a 20-yard gain because of the separation that you're creating from it. He reminds me, when it comes to pure violence as receivers, the only guy that really is in his category in terms of size and all of that stuff is Julio Jones. Is like was like peak Julio Jones. That, that out route was Julio. Yeah. All the way. That's Julio running a blaze out. You know, the, the you know, fake the inside and come back out. It's so he's 228, 230. Like it, it's he's a big boy doing this stuff. He is he is built. And that's why it's so I was violent. I was shocked when I saw him at training camp. I was no, shocked at how big he was. He's such a big guy. And that's that's the thing is so there's a lot of speed guys. I mean, the NFL, everybody's fast. But when you're say well, you just said, okay, he's a four or five guy, but when you're doing that 228, 230, now guys can't get their hands on you because you're so strong. And on top of it, you can stack them and beat them on the go stuff and sell every all every break they have to honor. There's a lot of guys that you see that they run violent and then they rise up right before they break. This is why like Alec Pierce, like the receiver, uh, Colt for the receiver, he has to learn how to do this. And you, you have to make it all look the same, that you're going violent, that you're sinking and you don't get exposed and you get high and you give a tell. AJ Brown's able to do that all full speed. 
So it's one of those where I, I want to say I, I want to give him more credit as a route runner than I have before. Uh, like he has a little more into his bag than it was kind of cool to see it outside of the Tennessee Titans attack. He was fantastic today. And there was questions yeah. about what was it going to look like? If you drop him in there, is it going to be that effective? How does he fit with Jalen Hurts? I think we got a lot of answers to that today. Their oh, passing great. game looked very, very good. I guess the Lions defense that we have tons of questions about. Mm-hmm. But I think step one, test one, box checked for me with A.J. Brown and with the Eagles. I do want to say we're not going to talk about coaches with this often, but I want to give Brian Dable one quick shout out before we get to the end of the show here for going for two at the end of that game. We, I don't think I we should it. end this show without mentioning the fact that that took a lot of balls. And if you're the Giants at this stage of hit of the of it, who cares? You might as well. Right? You might as well yeah. try to win the game there. Playing with the house's money. I mean, first game as a head coach, going for two for the win. Like, good on you. That's awesome. That's setting the tone. I, I love it. That was great. I know. Hey, also shout out to Michael Beller for calling the outright win, our yeah. producer on our Thursday show, uh, Thursday, Friday show. So yes, shout out to that. Not only covering, but the outright win. Yeah, but no, no, that was awesome. Like congrats, congrats to the Giants staff on their first win. We'll talk about the game, you know, more as the week unfolds. Talk about maybe Saquon Barkley, his performance. I'll admit I watched very little of that game with the three other games that were going Until on. Until the red zone. Until red yeah. zone came on. But the, the, I, I'll, I'm right there with you. That's going to be an There was a period game. during red zone today for like two hours where I did not see the Giants offense. I did not see the Giants <laughs> offense on red zone. But I've been a red zone programming choice. The other three games right. that were going on in the late window. I think there are reasons I was watching those three games and not Giants Titans. But I will go back and rewatch that because uh, I'm impressed the fact that the Giants won that game. All right. Yeah. To finish off each one of these Sunday night shows, we're going to leave you with a couple final words. Any last words that we have for week one in the NFL? And I've got a couple. Last year. I went to the Bills Chiefs game and it was an incredible thing to experience in person. And I remember the day after that game, I sat in Mitchell Schwartz's kitchen and we were talking about how important it is to have one of those guys and what it would mean in the NFL moving forward to have a quarterback that could play like that. And it was like watching Pacific Rim that game, like those two guys going at it. And how much of a game changer it is to have one of those players. And when I watched the Thursday night game this week with Josh Allen, and when I watched Patrick Mahomes today, and when I, when I watched Justin Herbert against the Raiders, it's not just the physical ability. You know, that stuff always sticks out. It's the throw that Justin Herbert stuck on Gerald Everett near the, near the pylon and how accurate that ball was within the structure of a play. It's Josh Allen's precision now in underneath areas of the field combined with all the other stuff. It's Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback on such an incredibly high level that we can barely appreciate it anymore. It's all the stuff they do within the structure of the plays, but then it's those two or three plays a game where they completely snap your will because they do stuff that they shouldn't be able to do. It's when they make already good play callers like Andy Reid or what we saw from Ken Dorsey right on plays they shouldn't be right. We talked about the Sky Moore play that Patrick Mahomes hit today. There were a couple plays today that Josh, that Justin Herbert made on the move where he had to climb and navigate the pocket and throw a 35-yard missile without setting his feet that you just shouldn't be able to do. And if you look at the list of the guys that led the league in EPA per dropback in week one, it was Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen. It's not just about saying good quarterbacks are good. It's that good quarterbacks are 
are such an advantage because they can break the game in moments where you need them to break the game. And all of those guys this week reminded us what it's like and how much it matters to have one of those players. Absolutely. Like you say, it's it's not just creating. You know, we say they get a, go get a buck and everything, which is also why I, you know, I was high on Justin Fields because he could do that stuff. But like you're saying, the in-structure stuff is when they are playing the coverage and we do have a good play, finding the right read every single time. And all three of these guys' eyes are so good now. Even Allen. Allen's probably the third of three as far as eyes. was, And now he looks great compared to where he was even a year ago, two years ago. Um, now it's him understanding, okay, we'll just hit these singles and doubles. And then we swing for defenses on these other plays. And just like you say, just ripping the heart out of defenses. It's, it's, they can scramble for a first down. They can break contain and still attack down the field. It's not like they break contain and then throw a little four yard route. It's they break contain and throw it 30 yards. And so defense coordinators might have the perfect play. They might create a free runner. There's so many times Mahomes today because of, Cardinals decided to blitz their asses off that there was a free runner, but Mahomes is operating so quick that the ball's out. It doesn't even matter. The ball's out in two and a half seconds. And so we're getting to that level where they're getting the ball out in two seconds and change. And then they could do the four plus second stuff and extend the place. It's, it's unbelievable. Be able to throw on the move, be able to attack. It's honestly, it's like a basketball player when they just, you know, you have perfect defense hand in your face and they just still hit the 30 footer on you. Or they still hit a twenty-four footer on you. That's what it is. You're playing. It reminds defensive. me of Steph Curry. It, That's when what it I watch Patrick Mahomes. There is an element to it where you watch a guy where you feel the game changing. Right. And that that's how it feels like when you watch these guys. And I will say that Mahomes was really the first one. Lamar is just such a different sort of player. He's a game-changing yeah. player, but it's just different than I think what I'm imagining in my mind about just some of the out-of-structure throws. But when yeah. you watch these types of guys, it just feels like the new wave of players. It feels like a shift in the sport. And that's how I felt when I was watching those Warriors teams and watching the way that Steph Curry right. affected the game. And when you watch these guys, it just feels like we're living in a different world because of exactly like you said. Even if you have the answer, you just don't because they'll yep. find another one that trumps whatever you're going to throw at them. And we're one week into the season and they didn't wait any longer than that to remind us. It's unbelievable. and big Big moments too. I mean, they're they're all under twenty six years old. They're twenty six and younger. That it's it's unbelievable that that we get to enjoy these three. And there's other guys too. There, like very talented players. But it's so cool watching these three do what they do every week. I'm glad you brought up the Steph Curry because that's what it feels like every play is just that they have this gravity when they play. Yes. You can see everything is manipulated by them. How they even how Mahomes and Herbert today too, and Allen of course, but. How Mahomes is able to kind of like manipulate the pass rush in a sense, not that Aaron Rodgers kind of bounce back and forth, but the up and out that yes. he does. And Herbert that had a couple been, up and out plays today that felt the exact same way. And that that is just, that is so frustrating for a defense. It's like, oh, I finally beat the tackle. Oh, shoot. There he goes. And now he's got a free lane to attack down the field. And that's what they can do. And on top of it, they can go one, two, three in the gun and the ball's out in two seconds and, and, and attack 18 yards down the field, 20 yards down the field. It is incredibly hard to defend it, it, just for 60-something plays a game. And the fact that they – I'm so it's so cool to see them just hit the ground running this season because, honestly, they are a story – they should be the main storyline, those three quarterbacks. And it's so funny that, that you get kind of overwhelmed by this feeling again and you think, well, you want all offseason to watch these guys. Why are you surprised by this? It's different when you're watching it in real time 
than yep. when you're studying it because yep. you understand the stakes in real time. When yes. you're going back and rewatching games that have already been decided, you're studying it with this sort of scientific lens. It's like, oh, yep. what happened and why did it happen? What does the structure of it look like? But when you're watching the games happen in real time and you feel the devastation from the defense in these moments where the game changes, I think that's the only time and way that you can truly start to appreciate again what these guys are to the people that they're playing against. And that's the feeling that I just had consistently watching all three of them over the weekend. Especially when they play on the road and you're watching it on a TV copy and then you just hear the crowd gets like crowds nuts on a third down and then all of a sudden they just convert another one and you hear that crowd just go and then it happens. Oh, another third down. Okay, they got to a third down again. Ah, and then and it just gets taken out. When I watch a film, it's just click, click, click. Or exactly. maybe the deep ad, click, 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 click. And all the only time I know what down and distance is, is the scoreboard shot at the beginning. You don't feel that. You can maybe see the sidelines. You see some coach throwing up a card or something like that. But hearing it and feeling it, and you just, they take the life out of other teams, out of opposing teams. And you can just feel it happening in real time. That's what's so cool watching it live. It's just is truly a special thing, and the fact that we got that again this week, it just it was such a fun reminder that football is back, that we're back, and that we're going to be here doing this all season. So we yeah. really appreciate you guys sticking around with us on our first Sunday night. A little bit rusty, just like anybody else. It's week one for us, like it's week one yeah. for everybody. So we will be doing this every single Sunday night. Very very excited to do that. As you can see, for those of you who did not watch Thursday's show. We look better than we did before. Hey. We're doing more YouTube stuff this year. So if you would, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching this. Like Nate alluded to earlier on the show, our first episode of Wind the Clock, Nate's X's and O's series where we explain some of the plays that we talk about on this show is going to be out tomorrow, Monday, on the YouTube page. So please go check that out. I'm sure you guys will like it. We're also going to be doing our Thursday shows live on YouTube every single week with Deontay. And Monday's mailbag with Mitchell Schwartz is also going to be live on YouTube at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We're still soliciting some questions for that show by 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow on Monday. Get them in athleticfootballshow at gmail.com. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. It's where you can check out the writing of all of the fantastic writers that we have on the site. And if you would, now that the season has started, Leave us a review. Go tell us you like the show. If you if you like it. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. Don't do anything. We will be back on Monday afternoon with Mitch answering your mailbag questions. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.